0: Okay, ready? Think but you know and it's a time and you get yourself we I wanna some Jesus. think about I in I really have you seen you wanting you. Hey. It's her ratio. Okay, though. It's her ratio. Okay, though.
1: That might be the best question I've ever been asked.
0: <laughs> you're a phenomenal person. I mean, you're legendary.
1: I am a fan of you, my brother.
0: Naturally, I'm, I'm what you call a self-improvement junkie. Like, I am literally committed, addicted, driven to getting better. I take pride in every time that you see me, there's progress. That's like principle for me, you know what I'm saying? That's like a standard. So, you know, you could easily apply that to your career form. And yeah, you want to get better, you want to challenge yourself. I feel like also just like as a man, that is how you grow, you know? We grow by challenge. And uh, once we overcome new obstacles, it's like, we all got goals, but then you hit those goals and you got to uh, write some new ones. You know what I'm saying? And It's crazy, too, because, like, yeah, my focus is always getting better as an MC. However, at different points, different phases in, like, my career or for different projects, like, my focus is different specifically to that project. You know what I mean? Like, maybe this one I want to rap. But maybe this one I want to challenge myself to, actually simplify it and speak clearer in a way that's kind of more universal. Like, that was my approach with my All-American Badass album. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to, because I, I knew I wanted to deliver a message, so I wanted to kind of make it a little bit easier to get delivered. And I was challenging myself to make music that, like, was a little bit more universal. And because, you know, with my previous work, Like 1999, I can tell you, like, my focus was double entendres, the wittiest metaphors, you know what I'm saying? Like top-tier level lyricism. Um, With 2000, my focus was lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? I want to speak to about where I'm at right now.
1: Joey Badass is one of the most interesting New York MCs doing it today. My man is from Brooklyn. I definitely wanted to get deep with him Did not expect how deep we get in the beginning. There's also a cameo, we should say, from his four-year-old daughter Indigo. He is a great dad. She is cuteness. She is sitting on his lap at the beginning of the interview, so you'll hear some of her before they go up to the toy store. But this is all about Joey Badass. The new album is 2000. Let's get into it. It's Joey Badass on Tour Show. We, this is beautiful because we know you as, you know, serious MC, right. rough, Brooklyn. But you came in with your daughter. She's four. You're mm-hmm. clearly very attentive dad. Very, you know, she'd bring the sensitive, sweet side out of you. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, like how has being a dad changed you?
0: Man, um, like you said, it's definitely... It softened me up, you know, um, made me more gentle and patient, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, really, when I had a kid, it did something to me because the way that I grew up, you know, I, I got on at such a young age and I wanted to bring so many people with me and I was taking care of so many people I took so much on and the moment that I had her I was like oh I only got one kid <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean and it kind of just like a one person I really gotta exactly exactly you know and um, it definitely started to shift things in my perspective it made me more um focused ambitious eager aware because it's not just about me anymore it gave me a reason to live you know what I mean? Like I was definitely at a don't a mic. I was definitely at a um, a depressed point in my life, you know, before I had her. So she it definitely brought me new light.
1: You know? I mean, new I've life. definitely been there, you know, moments of depression. You feel like, you know, what's the point? You know, maybe we should stop here, whatever. But I gotta be there for my kids. Absolutely. I got to see how the story ends with them or, or, you know, what it, you know, what it's going to be with them. Like, you know what I mean? Like we raise them from babies and then like, what do they become? Right. You know, like I've been in the middle of this movie. I can't walk away from it now, but mm-hmm. like, you know, we got to, we got to be that, that bridge that, you know, that road for them. So I can't, you know, even if I feel bad, I got, I got to keep it going for them.
0: It's that emotional energy. I was having this talk with somebody yesterday, and um, we were just talking about how adulting is this long road that of breaking down traumas, generational, from your childhood and everything. And when you're a child and you're experiencing traumatic experiences, it's a defense mechanism to bury them. Yes. You know what I mean? So yes. it's like as kids, you know, we absorb – we observe and we keep it moving. And, you know, there, there's areas of our experience that would, like, kind of limit our experience in the future if we don't go back and, like, check what we buried down. Um, her name's Indigo. Did you choose her name? I did. Indigo Rain. So <laughs> we were going to go with Rain. Like, that was the name. Rain with an E, R-A-I-N-E. But when she came, I'm like, nah, you Indigo Rain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You chose that in the delivery room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We what made you Indigo. say Well, Indigo. it was always between Indigo and Rain. Okay. But then in the delivery room, it just became... What like, made you say Like, that? Her, her full name is Indigo Rain. Okay. Like, that's her name. Okay. You know? And um, I'm not sure... Oh, she's taking pictures? You taking pictures? I'm not sure exactly what made me go with that, but... um. It just felt like what it needed to be, yeah, you know, take it, um,
1: it's bugged out to me, people who choose a name in the delivery room because there's so much going on in that moment, right you know, and you're looking at your your girl and you're adjusting to the baby and whatever doctor medical thing is happening, whatever, and, and I'm like, how do you even have the mental space to be like? And this both my kids, we had chosen the name right. like second trimester, like we
0: know what we're gonna do like in the delivery room is is chaos. Well, it wasn't like, you know, last minute in the delivery room. Like I said, we 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 were in between in the going rain. Right, right. Leaning right. more towards rain, but in that moment in the delivery room, it just became both. I mean, listen, if it was up to my mom, her name would have been purple rain. I said, Mom,
1: <laughs> slow, down.
0: We, slow, down. We, we, slow down. We are not ne- <laughs> We are not naming her that.
1: <laughs> Slow. <laughs> I love
0: that. You know, because my, so, mom, my mom is the biggest Prince fan. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor.
1: I'm Katy Perry.
0: This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth
1: the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So, what do you love about being an MC?
0: I love the expression, man. You know, it's just my art form of choice to express who I am. You know, like being an MC sometimes feels like getting dressed. You know what I mean? Like when I'm getting dressed for the day, it's like my expression of the day. Sure, It's what I want to say today, you know? Um, but with music, it's just like kind of a step further with that, at least for me, you know? And um, growing up, you know, I was very competitive and I always saw myself competing with the greats and not like, you know, necessarily anybody who was in, like, my age class or my age range. Like, I always wanted to just go straight for the top level, you know? Which is who to you? Nah, it's Jay, J, Big, Doom, MFA. Big L, Black Thought, Black Thought, um, 3000, Cool G Rap, it's Wu-Tang, you know, <laughs> the list goes on 3000, But
1: you're very New York, which, I I mean, of course, you're a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. New York used to be the center of the hip-hop world. And I think that, you know, as a New Yorker, it kills me, but I think that has moved away. But you're very, like, that classic New York emceeing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just where I'm from, you know, um... It's where I'm from. It's like the music that I grew up on to exude that New York energy. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah.
1: Why do, you just think, comes why do you think New York isn't what it was? I think it's better. You think it's better? I Absolutely. Mean, I mean, York- in the 90s we had Jay,
0: Nuss. but That's the thing. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, with evolution, things grow, adapt, sure. evolve. You know, they change. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, New York probably doesn't feel like the hottest source of where most of the rap music is coming from, but <laughs> New York laid the foundation. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? New York is the mecca, is where it came from. So, yeah, I don't think that it's doing any bad today. It's just, it's transcended. You know what I mean? Like, we can't, anything that stays stagnant dies, really. Yeah. You know, and then you still got brothers like Joey Badass doing what <laughs> was <laughs> happening in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what really changed? Is it the music, the environment, or is it the focus and interest?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of I mean, the, New York is in, different. But is it is the focus and the interest of the industry?
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: industry is leaning more in a certain sound direction.
1: Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, and like
0: mm-hmm. these kids out here, you know, they they going to match what they hear on the radio and stuff like that. It's natural. Like, that's the music that they're listening to. Mm-hmm. That's what's being consumed if they're not, like, going out there and discovering things for themselves. Well, how did you learn how to do it? Learn how to do what? MC. Um, it's, I've always rap. You know, I remember I was, like, seven, six, seven, eight, something like that, and my one of my older cousins wrote this verse for me. And... I remember when I was in first grade, I got introduced to poetry, and immediately, I drew the connection between poetry and Notorious B.I.G. Okay. And Biggie. Okay. Because, you know, growing up, I used to love Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I used to know his songs. My at like 10? My mom him a lot. At 10, you were a fan? Well, even before that, because, you know, I'm talking about when Biggie was alive. Biggie okay. died when I was, what, two years old? Okay. But even at two... You know, I'm running up to the TV singing Hypnotize. And, um, you know, from there, as I'm growing older by the time you get to first grade, what you like? Five, you like six, six, seven, going yeah. on seven or something like that. I got introduced to poetry. I'm like, oh, this is what Biggie does. And from there, I was really into poetry, but with a rap structure.
1: I mean, I think about you growing up and you're getting better as an MC, Mm -hmm. but like how do you do that like what are you what are you doing that's helping you grow
0: man i'm because when your
1: debut came out Mm. it was huge right so you were already at a very high level
0: right um well naturally i'm i'm what you call a self-improvement junkie like i am literally committed addicted driven to getting better you know like um I take pride in every time that you see me, there's progress, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's something that I'm, that's like principle for me, you know what I'm saying? That's like a standard. So, you know, you could easily apply that to your career form and yeah, you wanna get better, you wanna challenge yourself. I feel like also just like as a man, that is how you grow, you know? We grow by challenge. And um, once we overcome new obstacles, it's like we all got goals, but then you hit those goals and you got to write some new ones. You know what I'm saying? And it's crazy too because, like, yeah, my focus is always getting better as an MC. However, at different points, different phases in, like, my career or for different projects, like, my focus is different specifically to that project. You know what I mean? Like, maybe this one I want to rap, but maybe this one I want to challenge myself to actually simplify it and speak clearer in a way that's kind of more universal. Like, that was my approach with my All-American Badass album. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to, because I, I knew I wanted to deliver a message, so I wanted to kind of make it a little bit easier to get delivered, and I was... Challenging myself to make music that like was a little bit more universal. And because, you know, with my previous work, like 1999, like I could tell you, like, my focus was double entendres, the wittiest metaphors. You know what I'm saying? Like top tier level lyricism. Mm-hmm. Um, with 2000, my focus was lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? I want to speak to about where I'm at right now and life while still providing bars and wittiness, you know what I'm saying, and lyricism, but just more in a, um, where am I at right now? Like a detail type of way. 1999 was more like a kid in his room, um, you know, painting the world from his imagination. 2000 is a man in the world detailing what's going on around him and inside of him.
1: Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When you talk about those goals for 2000, was this something that you thought about before you approached the project or you noticed it coming out of you as you were making it?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's something that was definitely premeditated. Um, You see, that's the thing. Like uh, once I knew I wanted to call it, uh, two two thousand was was always an idea that I had. Like I thought it, it it could be cool at a point in my career. But at first I was thinking of it like an EP or like a mixtape, and um, you know nowadays mixtapes don't really exist. True, it, like it's all streaming. Sad. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I miss the mixtape. And then right. it's like especially if like you got a partnership, it's like I'm not about to tell them that it's a mixtape and they're not ain't gonna count it. As but part of the thing I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I want to get back to two thousand. But part of the You're thing right, about right. mixtapes. That was so
1: great. Guys would do different things. They go real hard, get on the glue yeah. tape or whatever. But the
0: thing is, it was a lot more freedom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the times on mixtapes, it was like freestyles. You freestyle yes. other people's songs. Yes. But that's because we were all downloading music, whether it was official and cleared or not. Yes. Now it's like, you know what I'm saying, there's so many stipulations and if you really want to compete in this world, it's like you got to be a part of the marketplace. That marketplace requires you to be on streaming platforms right. nowadays. Right. Right, you
1: know. So so 2000 you're thinking, let me show them my lifestyle, mm-hmm. let me bring them into my current world right. as a person who you know, bleeds, is a person who cries, is a person who's rich. Lives, who's who
0: thrives, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 1999 was the predecessor. Um, you know, this kid growing up in Brooklyn, trying to make it. 2000 is that same kid, but on the other side of the fence. He's, he's now a man. This is the successor to that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he's no longer, I mean, he's that inner child is still there. And that's the connection to 1999. You know what I'm saying? But it's not a sequel. You know? what I mean, this is just kind of a sim. It's like a symbol of a new era. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it's, it's a lifestyle lifestyle album. How do you write? Different ways, man. You know, I'm a. It's funny though, cause I am a creature of habit. But when it comes to being creative. For some reason, I'm always inclined to try different ways or to not use the same way every time. Okay, You know what I mean? So I got different techniques. I could sit here and write to no beat. I could sit here and write to a beat. I could sit here and not write. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do it in the head. Yeah, do it in my head or whatever. Or I could just hear the beat, go to the mic, and do it. Like You know what I'm saying? Just work it out like that. It's, there's really no method to the madness but having Sounds different like a small
1: hand <laughs> but having different ways of creating does it come out differently
0: um yeah absolutely like so what i've noticed when i write when i don't write i feel like i'm able to tap in with connect with emotion a little bit more interesting you know what i'm saying like i'm i am i am not so much thinking about the rhyme scheme of like, bike, height. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not thinking about, I'm not looking at the words. I'm just feeling it. You know what I mean? So I'm more bound to have some rhymes that are like a little bit more like unordinary, if okay. that makes sense. Because I'm just going off of emotion. I'm going off how I feel. I'm just, it's like a stream of consciousness. People have told me when you don't write on
1: paper, but you do it in your head with right. the beat, it's easier to get a more seamless relationship to the music.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I could um, I could attest to that for sure. You know what I mean? Because, you see, when you write in and it's like on a piece of paper or you're on your phone, it's literally like, okay, here's the mic, here's me, here's the paper, or here's whatever, you know what I'm saying? The phone, whatever. The, the device I'm using to illustrate this picture, it goes to there and then it goes to the mic. Yeah. It's all energy. You know what I'm saying? So some energy is definitely lost on this block. Whereas if it's just like this, it's straight to it. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing in the way of it. It's, it's, Does it come out easily or do you have to like work at it and tinker with it? It depends, and- man. It depends. It's like, it's it's moods. You know what I'm saying? It's it's moods. It's... Um, days you know what I'm saying days of the week is it's uh it's practice it's um preparation it's inspiration it's, it's it's a it's a combination of different things wait how do you practice um just by okay I'm just gonna write today you know what I mean I'm just gonna write like sometimes I just go on youtube i look up tight beats or i look up beats that I've always loved or beats that I've always written to like jay Diller I probably done wrote so many verses to, like, the same collection of Jay Dilla beats, and then I apply it to, like, other beats. You know what I mean? And, um, or, you know, just, yeah, sometimes I just write just for the purpose of writing. Like, it's it's my, my talent, you know, it's my gift, and sometimes I just like to express that. I've actually been doing a lot more journaling, and that's been really different and therapeutic for me, it's something I've always wanted to get into, but um, I never really knew how, and um, recently I, like, connected with somebody who detailed their experience for me in a way that, like, gave me that battery to push me, so now I'm, I feel like that is making me a better writer now. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And it's also increasing my self-awareness, and I I definitely would identify myself as someone who is already self-aware, but... This Lord. is taking me to another level. You know? So wait, tell me about your journaling. Yeah. Um, so I wrote like my what am I on? Like, probably got like five entries. Like I just started. I just started like a couple weeks ago. But um it's dope, man. I just kinda like to speak. I I just kinda like to record. Like my whole purpose of it is to have a deeper connection with myself. Like I wanna understand, cause From experience, there will be times where I'm feeling a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, Like, we got those times in our life, like, it feels really good or it's like it's a high vibration or it's almost like a manic mode. Sure. You know what I mean? It's just real high. And you remember how you felt, but I want to remember, like, what I was thinking, what I was observing, and stuff like that because we have so many thoughts a day. And I'll be having some thoughts in here. I'll be like, damn. You know, but if we don't capture those thoughts, like, they, they fly away until they come back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So journaling has helped me just kind of record all of these thoughts, which is turning into ideas, which is turning into knowledge, which is turning into wisdom, which is turning into understanding. And it's just helping me dive through these layers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm learning about myself as I'm writing because I'm, like, recalling whatever situations and then I'm start to detail them and then I start to think about them and process them and then I put that on the paper too like maybe this happened because of that so I look forward to a a year from now being able to look back at my thoughts from August 3rd and be like oh okay that's how I was feeling back then you know what I'm saying and I feel like this way I'm less likely to repeat bad habits mm. if I'm recording like the way like you know what I'm saying they're making me feel or just certain decision making you know do you meditate well I'm trying to meditate more you know what I mean like I'm trying to get back to meditating every day like my life has been non-stop motion for the last few months so it's been really hard to meditate but I meditated the other night and it reminded me every reason why I need to be meditating more I love how
1: much you talk about your feelings yeah. and being aware and respectful and in touch with your feelings. Because for a lot of men, a lot yeah. of black men, a lot of New Yorkers, mm-hmm. you know, people who are in hip hop, like we don't talk about that at all. We don't think about it. It's right? It's like not manly to think.
0: Of. Listen, man, I'll tell you, emotional intelligence changed my life.
1: Having it or you mean that book?
0: both the
1: book emotional intelligence 2.0 and right. gaining that changed your life how
0: yeah um so i read it back in 2020 and it was a it, it it was a breakthrough for me because i've never been introduced to the concept of emotional intelligence you know we all have been introduced to the concept of just cognitive intelligence you know iq and that idea and, you know, that being a fixed thing. Even though I learned that IQ can improve over Growth time as mindsets. well. Growth mindset. Growth mindset, exactly. But um, just like IQ can improve, emotional intelligence can improve Absolutely. over time. So once I became aware with the concept, I started to become more self-aware. I started to analyze how my lack of understanding, my emotions, was affecting the people around me. And once I became more self-aware, I was able to become more socially aware and see how other people's emotions were trickling down to like, you know, just the energy and everything and learning how to learning how to read nonverbal cues and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, man, it, it single handedly changed my life. So now, um, you know, because that it wasn't a requirement. It, it wasn't anything we were required to learn. And it's, it's so important. Because we, we're we emotional beings. And then especially as men, as black men, like, you know, we were raised, we were taught not to be emotional. And the funny thing is that makes us even more emotional mm-hmm. because we don't realize anger is an emotion. You know what I mean? Like lashing out, rage, frustration. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But like that's the emotion that is acceptable from men. Yeah, but... That's not acceptable. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like that shouldn't be acceptable. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but we should be soft. That's, and, and that's the thing is like, being emotionally aware has nothing to do with being soft. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, it right. got nothing to do with being soft. It's like we need to change our relationship to like just the concept just, of emotion, knowing how you know, you know what I'm saying feel. Like, like you being, tell a man if you and a man is in a you and a black man is in a heated uh, conversation, and you tell him he's being emotional. That might trigger him. You know what I'm saying? And with reality, he is being emotional, especially if you calm and he's screaming and boom, boom, boom. It's like, yo.
1: (laughs) But if you're like, I understand how you feel. Right. That
0: could calm him down. It could. But you see, the thing is, and this is why it's important for everyone to be in a growth mindset. Because you see, the thing is, if I'm in a growth mindset and I approach a fixed mindset person, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to, you good the shit out of them. (laughs) Like, you win. And then I'm out of there. Because my mindset is growing. I see you locked in a place. You know what I mean? Like, I'm at a point in my life where for a long time I felt that I should, you know, try to change people or Mm -hmm. help them change. But I'm now secure more than ever that people got to want to change for themselves. The best thing I could do is lead by example if I'm going to inspire them to change. Because, you know, once you try to put that on people and stuff like that, like it's, uh, they get, um, what's the word? uh, You know, just, it just, it causes friction sometimes. And then sometimes people are not willing to accept information from certain people. You know what I mean? It's like, you could tell your homie something, but then he go and meet a stranger and he takes the stranger advice.
1: So wait, so how does your increasing emotional intelligence affect
0: your emceeing um that's a good question i feel like it's evident in the music you know especially on my song show me on the new album i feel like that song was definitely a showcase of my growth with emotional intelligence like You know, I'm speaking from the perspective of speaking to a young lady who I've been dealing with, but you know, we've had an off period and now we're trying to find some reconciliation, but we're also trying to, I'm trying to be transparent. I'm trying to be honest with her, you know what I'm saying? And uh, my approach in getting her to open up was super gentle and it had to be gentle because A lot of the times in relationships, you know, women don't want to tell men the truth because women don't really know men to be emotionally sound. Totally. Or stable. Totally. You know what I'm saying? And Then also, women be scared. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't know how a dude might lash out. You feel me? Like, especially if you don't have that emotional, high emotional intelligence connection with that person. So, um... What we got to do is, like, if if you want to get a person to open up, you got to provide a safe space. You know what I'm saying? And you got to provide a safe space in the perspective of you understanding. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is that that person decided to do was what they wanted to do and not necessarily something that they did to you.
1: I loved earlier when you talked about being a self-improvement junkie. Yeah. I think I think about it a lot that a lot as well about what can I do to get a little bit better, 1% better every day sort of thing. So what are you doing to improve yourself all the
0: time? So, all right. There's certain things that are part of my routine. And when I'm in that routine, like it's just clockwork. I'm just getting better every day. Like waking up early. Like when? Like for me, 7 to 9 a.m. Okay. It's a good window for me. Okay. Wake up 7-9 a.m. That's that's early for me. That's good. Okay. You know I'm saying? Some people, um, some people might. I know, I know. <laughs> but I don't care. Cause I I'm I'm, I'm I, I was an afternoon lark. Okay. You okay. know what I'm I mean? Not bad. At you. So seven to nine a.m. is a big accomplishment uh, for me. I'm not bad. At you. <laughs> you feel me? At you. Like, yeah, like listen, or oh, to the five to the four a.m. to the six a.m. crew. Shout out to y'all. Yo, you know what I mean? Yo, I'll be there before, soon. Before I had kids, there
1: used to be this, this, this ad where they said, um, Tim Duncan gets up first thing every morning and watch the 10 a.m. Sports Center. Mm. And it took me a very long time to understand, what's the joke? Because I got up first thing in the morning and watched the 10 a.m. Sports Center. Yeah, And after a while, I go, Oh, most people don't wake... Like, that's late for yeah, that's most late. people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you stay up late, wake up at 10, like, first thing in the morning, I'm ready to go. Sports in like, the
0: year, right, right. It's mad late. That's kind of funny. So anyway, you're saying... But yeah, wake up that, early. Waking up early. So there's a quote that I live by. Um, early to bed, early to rise makes a man young, wealthy, and wise. It's Benjamin Franklin. So... That's that's something I live by. My cool. dad used to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well I got dad vibes, bro. I'm dad vibes. Sure. So, so dad you, vibes. you wake up early and then what? Prayer and affirmation. Meditation. Prayer and meditation. You know. Um wait, what religion are you? So I don't I don't have a religion. Okay. I'm non denomination. Okay. Um, you know, I my belief is that um there's an all-powerful source, you know what I mean? There's a higher power, there's a, there's a higher energy, without a doubt, you know what I mean? Um, I don't think it could be personified. Right. I don't think it could be, you know, simplified. Right. Uh, and I pray to that, you know what I mean? I give, my, I give my, I express my gratitude to the all, you know what I'm saying, like everything mother nature the, the the earth the the wind the energy the it all you know what i'm saying whatever is that higher power cuz this the shit is all connected you know what i'm saying um i guess my belief is is a little bit agnostic you know but i i've always resonated with islam though okay yeah i've always resonated with with, with islam um so you pray a little meditation mhm what else eat breakfast most important meal of the day you know what I'm saying? I get a meal, probably uh, watch a podcast or some type of informational video, and I head to the gym. You know, physical training is very important. You got to get the blood flowing. You know, without movement, like, you'd be so surprised how much movement improves workflow. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, just your cognitive intelligence, you know what I'm saying, brain flow all mm-hmm. around. You got to get that movement. You got to get that oxygen to your brain. So I do that. Um, also, you know, I want to stay in shape. I want to stay healthy. I want to be best shape of my life. So those three things alone is always bringing me to a state of improvement, right? I'm the 7 to 9 a.m. club. So I still got room to improve to 5 a.m. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to get up at 5. You probably in the studio late. I mean, sometimes, but I prefer not to be. I actually prefer to go to the studio early. Like when? Like two p.m. Is it even open at two p.m.? Yeah, <laughs> <It's over. laughs> I only know the studio to exist at midnight. Late night, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I actually really hate late night sessions because I feel like by then it's like I didn't put my brain through so much. It's it's fog. It's like right. I'm I'm it's, I'm more prone to like be forcing shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather go in with fresher energy, ready to stay in there all. day day. Because when I'm in there at 1 a.m., I'm like, okay, I got to leave soon. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, where, but if I'm in there at 2 p.m., I'm not even thinking about time. Yeah, it's like, I'm not even thinking about time. So, um, Reading is another thing. Come back from the gym, read a book, you know, um, knowledge. You got to keep What are some of the books that have really... You talked about emotional intelligence. What are some of the other books? Emotional Intelligence 2.0. The Power of Your Subconscious Mind Mm. by Joseph Murray. Um, 48 Laws of Power. Mm -hmm. Robert Greene. Hell yeah. um, I like The subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mark Manson. (laughs) I got that book. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. The Ways of the Superior Man. Uh David Dider. Um, oh, Contagious by Jonah Berger. Mm. Have you ever read one of his books? Uh, I don't think I have. I know who that is, but yeah. I don't think I've read him yet. I think you will really enjoy it. Like, he's like a marketing and sales guy, but okay. he speaks on the psychology of it. Okay. You know, and it's, it's, really, it's really cool information. You know? Okay. And it works for people like us who got brands and, you know what I'm saying? It's dope. Um, but yeah, that's just a few to name, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm a big reader. I'm a big reader. Right now, am I reading something right now? Well, I'm about to start reading uh, Atomic Habits. Oh, my it wife off. just gave me that. Really? Like, yeah, it's just sitting on my on
1: my desk. Like, she just gave me that. Like, a couple. Like, was it Father's Day? I guess just passed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can, It's yeah. deep. Yeah, I've been putting it off for like too long. Yo, have like you read years. Sapiens? Yo, I got that. I've. I've have not gotten to it yet. <laughs> it's it's like it's like this fucking big, but it's like here's the world. history of the world. So like, is that Robin Green? No, who's, who's no Yuval Harari. Oh, okay, yeah, just yeah.
1: just here's the history of the civilized world. Mm. You know, part of what he talks about, like wheat civilized us, so it changed our society. And he's like, not for the better, mm. but you know, like here's basically the reason why society is arranged the way it is. Mm. like, you know, the entire history of the world in 300 pages. Like, wow. what? And his second book is, here's the future of the world. Homo Deus. Here's, mm. you know, and he's like, in like a hundred years, because like humans are the dominant thing on mm-hmm. the planet. Within a hundred years, computers, AI will be dominant above us, which right. I don't, doesn't mean like the president will be a computer, but like they will be so smart that they'll be running things beyond what we can conceive of right which is crazy crazy (laughs) it's crazy it's insane but um i mean i see it i totally see it so you set out to be at that level of Nas, big 3000 etc and your name is ringing and you have this great reputation but you're still rising What do you need to do to put yourself in that so people are like, Joey's one of them?
0: Oh, I think, um, I mean, I think I could stop now. You know, I mean, God forbid, but if I was to pass today, I mean, I think without a doubt people would put me up there. But um, right at the fact that I'm still living, I mean, my goal is to surpass them. Like, I mean, I'm 27 years old. You know what I'm saying? I started when I was 17. I put out arguably one of the best hip-hop mixtapes of all time at 17 years old. The only person to have a similar stat like that is Nas. I'm 27 now. Jay-Z started at 27. At 27, I'm already 10 years in my career. You know, I be hanging out with Jay and Puff. You know, at 27, I'm the youngest person at them tables. So... For me, that just tells me in 20 years, you know, sky's the limit. I've submitted to my journey, you know. I've put too much work and intention into my life path where I could fall off of all my self-improvement shit and I'm still going to improve. Sure. But with the self-improvement shit, I'm going to excel much faster. In mean, and further. of self-improvement is talking to people
1: who are wiser, smarter, older, getting that, you know, you can get some of it from books, but some of it is going to come from talking or watching people. What's some of the advice that you've gotten that has really, like, helped you level up?
0: Um, Can you give me, like,
1: some more context? I mean, like... You talk about hanging out with, you know, Jay and Puff as very wise people. I'm sure there's other friends of yours who are older, been in the rap game longer. You know, I I ask a lot of people this, like, what's the best advice that you've gotten? And I think about what those sort of people might have told you or what you might have witnessed being around
0: them. one thing that Puff told me that I'll never forget and I carry it kind of everywhere I go in life. He was just breaking down the scenario to me because we was at his Miami house sitting on the dock overlooking, you know what I mean, the water and, you know, he got the bonfires, the music playing. It's one of a kind vibe, <laughs> You know, we smoking cigars or whatever. We, you know. And he's just like, yo, when I bought this house, I couldn't afford it. But I knew buying it was going to challenge me to work harder. Like, it was going to make me pretty much catch up to it. You know what I'm saying? And he said when he bought it, three months later, he landed that rock deal. Wow. And I took that as a valuable lesson because... Sometimes you do just have to leap. And the net will appear. You know what I mean? If you're Mm. doing everything you're supposed to do, like you gotta leap. You gotta take that leap of faith. Getting out of your comfort zone. Getting out of your comfort zone. Stepping out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. That's a scary leap though. It's absolutely a scary leap, but you know what? Buying a house is almost every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> wow. That's a puff leap. That have, that <laughs> Let's leave that to puff. Right. I don't recommend for the world to go, right, right. you know what I'm saying? Just go right. buy a house they can't afford. But, yeah, as far as taking leaps and jumping out of your comfort zone, it's very important. And I feel like nine out of ten times you find that that was a great move to make. I mean, to me,
1: when I think about those guys, Jay, Nas, et cetera, Especially like the 80s is difficult because the careers were not long. I think Rakim is one of the greatest MCs of all time. And people are like, well, it's really only two, three albums tops. Mm. Yeah, but that's what they were doing in the 80s. And he revolutionized the style. And we're still pretty much working with the Rakim approach to MCing. But Jay and Nas come along in the 90s. And now we start to have long careers. And people see the potential of longevity. And... I could look and say, Okay, you know, nas got four or five incredible albums. Jay got like seven, eight incredible albums, you know, So to me, it's the complexity on the project as well as doing it over and over just like a ball player right you know i I got six MVPs because I did it over and over and over, and yeah. I did it in this city, in this city yeah. or whatever. So to me, you got to keep going. To be like, okay, I got six incredible albums. Like, two incredible yeah, albums is not enough yeah. in 2022. There's a lot of people who have two, three incredible albums, whatever.
0: Yeah, right.
1: But you got six, seven. You know, now you're starting to make like a very deep argument for yourself. Right. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah.
1: I got four. I'm, I, was,
0: I, was just, <laughs> I wasn't thinking specifically. I know. <laughs> I'm but just I mean, like, you know. <laughs>
1: like, like, the numbers got to be higher to get to that, that Mount Rushmore right. now because right. there's so many guys who have
0: a long career. Right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, you know. Um, it's a different game nowadays, you know what I'm saying. Rules has changed. Like, just think about it like this, right? How many, well, you know you've been around. So I'm sure you still own albums.
1: Oh, I got a whole lot of CDs. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't have and, a CD player. But you know what, you should, you
0: should keep them. You should, you should. You should keep them because, bro, it's so crazy that all of the music that we consume today and that we listen to is off of our phone or yeah. our computer. Yeah. So it was like, imagine if the power went out. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Just
1: <laughs> Just like, when the train goes
0: underground. Exactly the train goes underground i mean you know there's possibility that it could be a massive blackout you know I or like physical or physical music or guess what all of these streaming platforms is owned by somebody mm. so what if they just decided to fucking shut the company down but for just, a day but just just just
1: when i was young it was vinyl and i got I got right. liner notes. I got pictures. And you got to take all thing, of that home. Right? Then I got a CD that sometimes would have a lot of smaller. But You've got
0: to take all that there's home. There's
1: nothing physical anymore. Mister the physicality. Yeah.
0: It's like, bro, they've completely robbed the artists. Yeah. They've completely robbed the artist. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I can't even get straight to you no more. Right. I can't even get straight. I mean, of course, I can make a vinyl. I can make CDs still. And I will. And that's why I do it. But in the main way that music is consumed and counted towards statistics and all of that is through a third party. It's through fucking air. (laughs) Yeah.
1: What does eating healthy mean to you? from Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts. Radical is available now.
0: Listen to the new podcast Radical for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what I'm saying? It's it's through a source that could
1: well, just al- disappear. Well, also, that could crash. On streaming, y'all get nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's just so not that's, that's, it's not. That, the whole streaming thing is
0: bullshit. The you whole get streaming thing is bullshit, but it's like, yo, really Think about what Prince would say about streaming today. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to articulate into words. They have completely robbed the artist. Yes. I cannot get to my listener anymore. I have to go through the system. You know what I'm saying? Like, And they were doing that back in the days. But- well, we you still been, could deliver that CD before. You, you understand what I'm saying, like
1: what Prince was dealing with in terms of the '80s and the '90s. I got to get on the radio, or I got to get on MTV. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody's going to hear the shit. And there's, you know, eight people at MTV who sit in a room and decide what's going to be played, how much, and when. Yeah. And then there's, you know, what ten program directors who really matter right. in different. So that like small group of people decide. To, now anybody can get their music on SoundCloud or Spotify or Tidal. Right. And now, you know, but it's 100,000 artists but, now, but like
0: nobody fully owns 100% of their music. Even if you own your masters, you have to put it through some type of distribution service. Right. Which takes a percentage of your music. It's still going through a system. You know what I'm saying? Nobody owns 100% of their shit no more. You got to pay up somewhere. There's a toll somewhere. The real money. But even deeper than the toll, it's literally going to air, thin air. It wasn't like that before. Like, it, this shit was physical. Like, yo, really think about what Prince would, how Prince would feel about this current society. First of all, he even let artists... Work with them if they didn't own their own masters.
1: He was all about owning your masters.
0: That was like all he would say. So what about in streaming? What about in the streaming era? I'm surprised Prince's music is even on streaming. Well, 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 he's not here no more. Right. Um, (laughs) But it wouldn't be if he was. That's the point. I
1: loved the Wu-Tang show on Hulu. Right. I loved your part in it. Thank you. I knew, I know... Inspector Deck, I can't say we're friends, but I've spent a bunch of time around him. Right. Extraordinarily interesting, intelligent guy. You know, talk about becoming Deck for that show. Um
0: it was it was an honor, man. It was an honor. Like I always said, like when it came to my, my, my TV and film side, I always told myself I never wanted to play a rapper. Why? Because like back in the day I used to get a lot of offers like that because I wanted to show people I could act. Right. I'm a rapper in real life. Right. That's a walk in the park for me. Like that's not even a challenge. Right. This, that doesn't this, help your acting. It's almost a joke. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? It's right. like nobody's about to take me serious. Nobody's about to take any movie I'm doing serious if I'm a rapper. In the movie, <laughs> you right. know what I mean. It doesn't, like, it doesn't help you as an actor. It doesn't help me as an actor. And it's like again,
1: but that was in TV because... and film. Me
0: stepping over here is not. I'm not looking at it like a small feat. The same way I approach music, like I'm competing with the greats. That's how I'm looking at in TV and film. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not about to just do something for the sake of doing it. Like every decision is calculated. You know what I mean? I'm doing this because I think this could actually be worthwhile for me in the end. Or I'm connected to the the role or the purpose or the story. So when the Wu-Tang opportunity came, that's what it was, you know. And then RZA has always been one of my mentors. Wow. Like early, growing, wow. like, you know, coming up in the industry and stuff like that. He was always somebody who I could call and, you know, we could talk for 45 minutes on the phone and he would break shit down to me. He's brilliant. You know, so that was like a no-brainer. Was, was, were you offered deck? Yeah. yeah or yeah, yeah. was there...
1: Or did you audition? Were there other? Was it conversation about you did being somebody else?
0: Did I audition? I might have auditioned. Like, did did they talk? Was there? A but conversation I definitely don't think you, I had
1: to. Was there a conversation yeah. about you playing a different? No, no, no. It was always deck. Always deck.
0: It was always deck. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I mean, that's, it was RZA. So how do you know, how, how do you
1: position? how do you go about becoming deck?
0: um you know listening to first of all going right back to 36 chambers because he was all over that killing that like um protect your neck <sighs> you know what i'm saying like it honestly it was protect your neck and um i'm blanking i'm blanking on what the other joint was but it was these two songs alone that gave me that because remember i also had to tap into the energy of the genesis version of inspector day you know what i'm saying not before like the fame before the fame so it was like protect your neck did you talk Those, to him did you hang out with him um it? we didn't hang out but yeah we, we did speak we did chop it up we actually um was working on a record like a song and everything but oh, um wow. the damn what, what was that
1: I, feel I lost talking, to, talking to talking to Deck, protect your neck.
0: Yeah, you know those songs alone, like those are like the closest things to um, who he was before that fame. Yes, like even when they shot the video, like they shot it, but they didn't know how far it was going to go yes. in that moment. So they were true to character in those moments. So I took those versions, I took those mannerisms, I took that attitude, and that's.
1: Were you upset to not I'm be part too. of the second season?
0: I mean. Honestly, I wasn't devastated because, again, you know what I'm saying? I told you I never wanted to be a rapper. However, Inspector Deck was an honor. And what actually happened is I got offered Unique on Raising Canaan, And it was a conflict. It was a scheduling conflict, and the Raising Canaan deal was an exclusive one. Wu-Tang wasn't an exclusive one because, remember, I wasn't on every episode. right? So all all around... Raising Canaan was a better opportunity for me. Do you, acting, do you prefer acting to rapping? Is that what you'd really rather do? Nah, nah. No, I don't, I don't prefer one to the other. They're equal to you? Um, no. Well, music, they're not equal to me. Music is number one. However, it's like I also enjoy acting. Like I don't, it's funny because there's this Russian proverb that I learned and it, it, did wonders for me and it's, if you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one. Right. But I don't know, I think I'm like an anomaly or something. <laughs> <laughs> Cause here I am with these two rabbits and it's like, they're not, like they're both, you know? We talked a little bit about- out. Being a great
1: rapper. What is it to be a great actor?
0: Mm. Well, to be honest, I have a lot more work, studying, education to do on that side. For me, I think the greatness that I identify with in that art form is, again, expression. And I feel like I've always been a naturally charismatic person and very instinctive. And those two things right there is what every great actor has. To be instinctive and charismatic absolutely you know and those are the two things that i bring to the table in all of my roles you know so um i know there's a lot of other qualities outside of that but like those are the two that like it's kind of
1: my shoes Is is there something that you're dying to do like in the acting world
0: Oh yeah, I got um, I got dream roles. I want to really do a boxing flick like a Jack Johnson or somebody. Jack Johnson was the man. Yeah, you know I want to do some some real that got you know something real method. Uh huh. That provides me. Are you a method actor? Yeah, absolutely. I I got to get into those roles. You know what I mean? Like when I'm near, I'm near. Were all of y'all on Wu Tang? Method like well we, Wu Tang was different, but yeah, nah, we was though. <laughs> we was like even off even off cameras, like we still in character kind of like you know, we still <laughs> we still speaking like Ray and them, you know what I'm saying? Like you yeah, I feel like that's the that's if you're not trying to, you know, methodize this shit, like I feel like that's the only way. Yeah. It's like I gotta jump into that shit. Like I would <laughs> I got to jump
1: into it. No, nah, I mean, I could see, you know, you, you come in in the morning and you become that guy and you just stay there. Yo,
0: and that's the thing, too, is like acting is way harder than music to me. Why? Because you have to literally neglect yourself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's not about you. for, And especially if you're a lead role, you're number one on the call street, that's five days out of the week for like six months. Nonstop. All you have is weekends off. From Monday through Friday, morning to night, you are this character. And even on your off time, it's like, okay, you get food, but it's very little time for yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like very little time. You shoot in starting at 6 a.m., you're shooting all the way till lunch, which is about 1 PM, depending on the start time of the day. Hour. Got an hour <laughs> mm-hmm. of lunch. You're going to use that time to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like You're going to use that time to try to catch up on whatever else you got going on in the real world. I mean, a little bit to your best of your ability. But if you're number one, they're like, yo, this is what we're doing next. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. And then depending on what your character looks like, if you got a hair thing, you got to be sitting in makeup. You know what yeah, I mean? Work it's, on that. Yep. Bro, it's hard work. You know, like it's draining. It's super draining, and and it's super neglectful of self. But you love that. No, I don't love that. (laughs) I've been very lucky to land roles that are pivotal enough in shows where it's like I stand out, but I have not been number one on the call sheet yet, only for my short film, which, again, got lucky. My first number one on the call sheet was only for five days. Sure. And that five days was gruesome, bro. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I was over it by day two. (laughs) Because (laughs) then you got to remember, it's like, I got a whole different career. So stepping into this where I got to fully neglect that for this block of time, that was different. I think on the
1: Wu-Tang joint, Method Man is so, naturally, real Method Man is so charismatic, so much energy coming off of him. Such a challenge for an actor. I feel like Dave East really got it. I felt like okay, like that's you got the Method Man energy. I feel
0: the same way about T.J. Adams when he, him playing ODB. Oh my god. You know, like cause he got charisma. Yeah. And to play ODB that's hard. Like, you know, and and it's easy to go over the top with an ODB and he doesn't. Yeah. It's a, it's a good balance, you know. So they 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 killing over there. Those are oh my guys miss those guys
1: everybody who comes on the show I talk to them about what does being black mean to you
0: well I used to think I used to not have a good relationship with the word black right because one (laughs) we're not black or brown, um, two, it always just kind of felt like a way to simplify a uh, classist type of structure in society, mm. you know, because you got white, black; those are the only two races. Like that's literally classism. Sure, whites, blacks. Sure, you know what I'm saying. But even white people aren't white. Sure, you know what I'm saying. So I always kind of, and then everything everything else that involves black has blackmail. Like I'm blackmailing you.
1: Right. So the negative
0: word, right. Black out. Right. Black death, right. Black death. Right. Black magic. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like, and then also being a spiritual person, like I'm very big on words because every time that we speak, it's like, you know, spells, we're, Create we're co-creating this reality, you know what I mean, so I don't know, like I'm not sure how to answer that question, you know what I mean, I have a little struggle with answering that question, however, like you know, don't get me wrong, I ain't got no insecurities or no um rejection of my blackness, of course, you know what no, I'm course. saying of it's course. just but when you say that, when you ask me that question, like it brings me back to that block that I've always had in the way that I perceive that and the way that I know that they purposely categorized us like that mm. for the structure of their society. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I mean, listen, one thing about black people, though, they're going to make the best. We're going to make the best out of anything. Yeah. So we gave that word power. Yeah. The same way we gave N-I-G-G-A power. You can say it. No, nah, no. It just sounded more radical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but: yeah. yeah, no, I
1: feel you. I feel connected to other black people. Absolutely. Now, and, in, and especially when I think about being black, I think about the connection to the people who fought. name the famous people and the people we never heard of fought, uh-huh. died civil rights movement before that slavery what like all of we stand on on their shoulders we have the opportunities that we have because of what they did absolutely and i think about you know you better do whatever you can with your life and your opportunities cuz there's other people who fought and died so that you could be here i mean the things that i'm doing my father could never have dreamt of and my grandfather,
0: like, that's insane. That's your career? That's insane. If you would have told him that, like, if the doctor would have been like, yo, so your son is gonna be boom, boom, boom. <laughs> right, that, that's insane. <laughs> Hand him the newborn, like, yo, that's he's insane. gonna be this guy. <laughs> that's, that's insane. That, yeah. I can't even conceive of that.
1: And you know, you couldn't and, you and, couldn't tell him that. <laughs> and 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 but I feel a sense of responsibility to those people right. to do something with my days that honors what they did oh yeah so i feel what you're saying but i also feel deeply connected to all the folks who came before us
0: have you heard my all american badass album i have not you should check it out i was listening because, to the
1: 2020 t- excuse me 2000
0: yeah um and i like that a lot is that the first album on you heard? yeah that's interesting that's interesting I want you to really check out the album I dropped before that because what you just said was my mindset going into that album. Really? Yeah, that was that album is very different from two thousand. You might feel like you're listening to a different artist. You know what I'm saying? And um, my That's interesting because a lot of MCs don't
1: change that much. Yeah. From album to album, to where I'm like, you've grown a little bit, but not that much. But yeah. you're like, I I want to grow to where
0: Is this the same artist? Yeah. Right. I mean, to be honest, you know, 2000 was an easy album. Why? Because it was fun. And it's what I naturally wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really have to... This is the first time since my first, first project, 1999, where I wasn't necessarily challenging myself. I was just doing what I wanted to do and what I just felt. You know what I'm saying? It was lifestyle music. It's really the first time in in 10 years that I've d- done that. All of my other music is more like purposeful and not really about me, more about me being conscious of the people who are listening to the music and how they could use those messages in their everyday lives. Yeah. You know what I mean and for so for Abba All American Badass in specific I dropped it in 2017, you know, year after the election or actually the year that he got in, uh Trump got inaugurated. Right. And um it's a very outspoken album cuz I felt Spiritually called at the time, and I felt like I had to say something. I felt like I had a duty and a responsibility to my ancestors, like you said. But not only my ancestors, I felt like I had a responsibility to my future children. Right. And I put that, I put that album out a year before I had her. Wow. You know, and yeah, man. Um, so I re- I relate to that feeling. I relate to that feeling. I think you would definitely resonate with that. What's
1: album. your top five?
0: MCs, oh I said it already. Same ones we've been talking about all day.
1: Nas, J. Nas is your number one all time. I don't have no no order. No order. Nah. No, yeah. Okay. Big Nas, J. J Nas, Big Doom.
0: MF Doom, and who would I say is five?
1: Do you not have a number one? J. Yeah. That's what most MCs say, and I agree well, with that. Well, you see,
0: the thing is, because J. He's had the biggest growth that we've seen. He's grown a lot. As an MC. He has the biggest growth. So I mean, the guy who made Reasonable Doubt
1: and the guy who made the Carter's album. Or 444. Four, four, four. Or four,
0: Yeah. Two different guys. I mean, the same guy, but got deeper. Completely different sides of the fence. Deeper and allowed
1: himself to mature as right. the time goes on. Right. I respect that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Jay's definitely my biggest inspiration, I mean, come on, it's it's so many um alignments. Brooklyn, of course. You know, um Brooklyn, New York style of rap, um hustler mentality, um multi uh hyphen it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. these are all things that, like, I aspire to be. I mean,
1: the the wittiness is, I think, part of what kills me. The double entendres, the triple entendres. The, mm-hmm. the, but um, I think your career is developing in a pretty interesting way, a pretty powerful way. Thank you. I like that you're
0: in two different forms of art yeah man it's you know it makes the other one fun every time I come back to it
1: because mm,
0: you got out of it for a minute yeah I, I compare it to like you know having a main girl in the side chick <laughs> so
1: is it going to be another <laughs> is, is it going to be like it was five years
0: Skipped right over that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. You wanna so so is it gonna be another
0: five years? It's five years since the last joint. Oh no, definitely not. Definitely not. Like I'm I'm inspired again. You see, when you take five years without releasing an album, it does something to you. Like I I wasn't like inclined to put out so much music because I'm like, yo, this next move got to be so, you know what I mean? There's mm. so much pressure from thinking, what's the next move going to be? It's like, okay, one year, cool. Two years, cool. Three years, okay. Four years, dude. You're saying to yourself, I got to put something out, but. Not only me saying to myself, but my, the perception of my fans. is like, bro, you rap anymore? And then they're seeing me advance in TV and film. They're dude. like, oh, so you're just doing that now. Little do they know, I'm in the studio three days a week. So you worked on this album for three years? Two. Y- well, not this specific. Well, man, I've been working on music the whole entire five-year hiatus that I haven't dropped an album. I've been working on music. Not on this specific album because in the beginning it was a different album. Then it became another album. Then it became another album. Then it finally became two thousand. And that was the one that I was ready to put out at the time. In line. So like you that. started working
1: on one project, mm-hmm. and you let it flow into three other iterations before it became Two Thousand. Absolutely. So you have. So how many songs did you not? Five hundred. You made five hundred records easily that you didn't put out.
0: Yeah, I probably got like three albums right now. Like I'm. I'm, and the fact that I just put out Two Thousand and. The great response has been getting, like it has inspired me again. Like I forgot what that energy exchange felt like between, you know, like product and consumer or artist and listener. You know what I mean? And it's refueled my um, just ambition because it's like, you know, music is second nature for me, bro. I'll go home and make 500 songs and fuck off. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't necessarily need anybody to, to hear them. That's, that's what that five-year gap did to me. Like, I was just in a comfort zone. But now I'm like, yo, it's almost like being reminded, like, yo, people want your music, bro. Like, people want to hear you. People, want, people like what you have to say. Keep it going. You know, it's, like, inspiring. Like, it's, it feels fun again. I'm, like, I'm like excited. Like, I'm going to put out another song in, like, two weeks, two to three, depending on when this comes out. But I'm just going to keep going, you know, because, like you said, it's like I'm trying to get to that Mount Rushmore. You know, like I I could stop now and I could be great, you know, potentially for the rest of my life. But I want to, I'm a self-improvement junkie. I can't stop. I can't.
1: Thank you so much to Joey Badass for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Toray Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because... You can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Toray and on Instagram at Toray Show torre shows written by me torre and produced by jennifer ford our editors ryan woodhall our photographers are chuck marcus and shanta covington and nick carp our booker is claudia jean and we're distributed by dcp entertainment and we will be back on wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down